Now, Mr. Pitts. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts. Where are you? Mr. Pitts, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. To the virgins to make much of time? Yes. That's the one. Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thanks for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And I'd like you to step forward over here. Peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat>
Michael Gobier and Travis Roy coming to a speaker near you right now. Welcome into the Cinema 9 Podcast. My name is Michael Govia. You are listening to the movie buff film aficionado podcast about film, movies. That's what this is about. It's episode 24, so if you've never listened before, welcome in. It's really great to have you as a first-time listener. But if you've been around, you know the story, you know the routine. It's me and my co-hosts, Eric Branstrom and Travis Roy. Travis, how we doing in Brighton? What's going on over there? It is a gorgeous fall day here it's just like oh, it's so the, cool isn't it it's, it's not great. hot it's like, at all it's like the perfect temperature it just feels like bath water all the time the last few days i'm in heaven yeah i figured you would you and i really i love these i'm ready for fall i like oh, it nice and cool time. it's not too cold but it's cool it's great it feels feels like heaven and it reminds <laughs> me of a, a, a cool new england day it reminds me ah, of prep school when i went to prep school at, oh yeah in academy i was man, <laughs> yeah no, uh, <laughs> then, we have, then we have Eric Branstrom, of course, and he's joined by our special guest. Yeah. One and only Angela Branstrom. Hi, Angela. Hello. Have oh. you ever been on a podcast before, Angela? I never have. Really? Never, yeah, I've never been on a podcast, been on lots of Teams calls, but not a podcast. <laughs> Similar. It's like, yeah, it's, like it's like Zooming, kind of, only yeah. exactly. Yeah, Microsoft Teams is cool. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about Angela being on the pod? This is long anticipated, and uh, I know you're excited about it. I gotta say, you were on the Arcane Cinema podcast. Ouch! Oh. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> uh, the podcast uh, streaming somewhere? Can I listen to that somewhere? Uh, Podbean is dead. They uh, they got to <laughs> bankrupt hell. No longer exists. That was kind yeah. of friends only podcast, anyways, wasn't it? And yeah, I, how many? It was just like voices, no faces. So it was different. Oh, uh, how many episodes did you do, Eric? Do you remember? I think we did like eight or nine. Oh, okay, great. Well, you know, if you would have kept it going, who knows how big you would have been by now, right? <laughs> look, look at us. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've been doing this for six months, five months, and uh, we're exploding. Uh, no, <laughs> it's great to have Angela aboard. Uh, Angela, uh, real quick. Favorite yeah. all-time movie? Can you say it right now? Favorite all-time movie? The Wrestler. Wow! Okay. I knew that. I knew it was gonna be The Wrestler or Barfly. <laughs> Mickey Rourke, either way. Well, that's a not everybody has such a quick answer. I'm impressed. Yeah, well done. That's been my answer since I saw the movie. Yeah, that's a great film. I love The Wrestler. Hey, if you love The Wrestler as much as Angela, why don't you send in an email? Cinnamonidepod at protonmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram, Cinnamonidepod. You can DM us or you can DM us on Twitter, Cinnamonidepod. And if you think The Wrestler is a terrible choice for the greatest film of all time, do the same thing. Repeat what I just said, except do the opposite. All right, so we're going to dive into our main course soon. The focus of today's show will be, this is Angela's choice, by the way, so you can blame her or you can thank her, Dead Poet Society. Such a fine film. Is it? I don't know. We'll find out. Um, and, of course, we'll do our quarantine viewing picks at the end of the show. But first, we're going to open up. We'll uh, talk about what happened recently. The Oscars have made some changes to their best picture category, right? Is it just best picture or is there other changes too, Travis? It's it's just it's just for the best pick, pick best if you want to be uh eligible for best picture from twenty twenty four on. Okay. 
And uh, we're, we don't have to hash out every rule change here, but in essence, what they're trying to do is make Hollywood more inclusive, make best picture films more inclusive to all members of cultural backgrounds from everybody, not just white people. Everybody knows Oscar's so white. It's been done a lot. And, <laughs> you know, with good reason. In fact, uh, <laughs> we'll get into this later, but Dead Poet Society, pretty yeah. white film. Pretty. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> That was the first note I made to myself after I finished the movie. It was very white. Very white. Very white. Very white. <laughs> very, yeah. white very white. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, you know, if it came out today, would it be the same? You know, we'll get into that. We'll talk about that anyways. But uh, bottom line is, uh, I had just heard about this, and I have no problem with it. I, I'm always down for more exclusive exclusivity. <laughs> being removed. <laughs> removed. Being removed. Um, I want to include people, and I don't see any problem with that. But if anybody else, I know Travis is for this completely. Eric, uh, do you want to comment on this? Not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, I mean, as I Look, think this- about the Oscars more and more, I'm starting to come around to what a lot of other people are saying, including like Bradley Cooper recently said that they're just a bunch of fucking nonsense. That that they are a bunch of fucking nonsense. Like. What, like, what does an Oscar get you? It's about campaigning in Hollywood. You can buy a fucking trophy. I'm much more interested in, like, when it comes to like, like actual, like what, what these films actually are like. You're going to get more of a impressive nominee and, and winner in something like an Independent Spirit Award or, or, or something that's not just, you know, campaign fodder. So, you know, I've I've heard the I've heard uh, some some of the qualifications. It's hard for me to say, yeah, um, you know, mandate art because that's a little tricky. But we're talking about uh, best picture only, and we're talking about something like that. Like Travis will probably say, would be hard not to do. So if we do end up talking about some of the points of this uh, new basis, then it's going to be pretty quick to dodge. And if you dodge it, you probably an asshole i'm with you I, I i'm a screen actors guild man awards myself but i mean I, I do love the oscars as well i like i like the pomp and the circumstance I like the spirits spirit awards personally i i i don't watch those <laughs> but but, but, I, but, I, but I, like, I like the screen actor guild because it's like you know it's the actors honoring actors and that's mostly what i'm interested in is as actors as far as filmmaking goes i mean i'm interested in all of it but that's the part i'm most interested in okay. um at any rate, yeah, this stuff is. I don't see any problem with this. I mean, again, it's it's to be, it's to be considered for just for one category of the Oscars. Um, it is very diverse in terms of the different things that you can do to to satisfy the uh, the standards. There's four different standards, and like if you, like all you have to do is satisfy two of them. So I mean, so long as you have like. Uh, uh, if you're not hiring like 30% of people that are, you know, of, of underrepresented groups anyways, like for like in, for the background stuff, you know, and for extras, I mean, if you're not, if you're making a movie that just has to be so white because you're setting it in 1989 in, in a <laughs> school and you can't imagine that anyone who is not white could possibly go there. Um, oh, beautiful, if, you're, beautiful. If, if, if you want to do that, you still can do that. And and all you got to do is hire 30% of, of people that, that represent minority groups and then also do something like, um, you know, tr- have like training opportunities and, and, and skill development for some of these people and that kind of stuff. The whole thing is just like, 
honestly, it's it, it should be an industry standard as far as I can tell. I mean, like I, the more I look at it, the more I'm just like, this is some kind of basic, easy stuff. Uh, just make sure you're not only hiring white men. And there you go. <laughs> and even if you are, just make sure some, some are gay. I mean, you could seriously, <laughs> I mean, like, it's, cool. like if you really are up in arms about this, I think that you probably haven't read the standards. Mm. Angela, what do you think of all this? You're a woman. Mike. No, I mean, I think that it's it's sounding like um, inclusivity in the workplace. Sounds like um, giving people opportunity that might not have gotten them just because there's a good old boys club or something that like everybody works with everybody. So I'm all for that. I think it's um, it's a good rule. I think as far as um, some people might think before they do all the reading um, that like you can't tell a story from a certain perspective because of the characters, but it's clearly not that. You could have a lot of different um, aspects in the in the crew um, represented. So I think it's not even an issue at all, and I think most people. Even Clint Eastwood, you know, he made the <laughs> Yeah, it was about a white man, but it was about a lot of other people, too. And so, I mean, if he can do it, he's ancient. I mean, he's coming around. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're talking about a business that Uh-oh. is... Can you still hear us? Yeah, yeah. dude, we're here. We're man. talking about a business that is fucking impossible to get into, even if you are, like, a white male let alone if you're from an underrepresented minority. So having these opportunities for interns and production assistants be mandated, yeah, I think it's a good thing. I just get a little apprehensive whenever I see these these mandates come down and say, this is not going to be from now on after 95 years. Well, it's all bullshit anyways. It's like you said, it's the Oscars. It's trash. And I know Travis watches every year still. We cover this. You guys love your Oscar parties, but it doesn't mean anything. It means no. something in society. I understand that, but people don't take it seriously anymore. And, and the big issue is the oh, advertising and the the campaigning, the incredible campaigning. It's not like some, and that's another thing. It, of course, the opinion of the Oscars is objective, but the Oscars themselves are not objective. I don't see it that way at all. So, well, of course, the Oscars aren't. But I'm just talking about like caring about them or finding them yes, relevant. Yes, I, I, I acquiesce. I agree. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but Eric, you keep saying uh, mandate. I mean, but it's, it's not that anyone's mandating the art, though, right? Like, no one's saying what kind of art you have to make. It's like, it's, it's, it's some pretty basic behind the scenes things and can be accomplished. So, I mean, it's not like anyone's trying to tell anyone how to do anything. And even still, you could just make whatever the fuck movie you want and not submit it to the Oscars. No one's stopping you from doing that either. Like, yes. um, so again, I, like the, the 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 uproar to me seems from the familiar corners. Yeah. That's why I think it might be even, it might even be lip service because a lot of this stuff yeah. is not, it's not even that hardcore to be it's honest. It's not hard at all. It's like not- I think a lot of people do that by accident. Exactly. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> in, a, in a sense, I would go further, but Hey, that's, that's why we're like such a shit show. Anyway, they're, they're saying this isn't going into effect till 2024. And I'm getting the opinion that they're, putting the news out there just like they did with the best most popular picture oscar and everyone's like that's a fucking dumb idea they're like oh yeah we're not doing that anymore so it being pushed far out might be a way for them to just put it on buzzfeed and see how many clicks it gets they may do it they may not we'll see but you're right i I hope they do it 
Yeah, that's a good point. You never know what they'll do. But anyways, we want to touch on that. Uh, let people know that it's a thing. It's happening. And uh, we're a movie podcast. So we cover things about film. Yeah, we love movies. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have a little more fun now. Let's lighten the mood with some Would You Rather. Now, we did this uh, about a month ago or so. Uh, we did the Would You Rathers where we give you a movie character or a movie scenario. We pit them against each other. We make you choose. It's, not, <laughs> it's hell on earth, but you got to make a choice. So, Travis, what do you got? Well, um, I didn't go as gory or perverse this time. <laughs> So, yeah, we got uh, we, we went a little more G-rated this time. Oh, okay. We got kind of extreme last time. Yeah, I don't have any uh, sleepers options this time, I promise. So. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I, I kind of regret that. I regret the, that. Darkest, <laughs> the darkest moment in our podcast, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> all right, so my options are you, have a, you, you can see one of two different 90s alternative movie bands. Do Ooh. you see in their respective like expected venues from the films? Do you see, hey, that's my bike? There it is. Or would you rather see Citizen Dick? <laughs> These are your options. Hmm. Hey, that's my bike from Reality Bites. Right. And Citizen Dick is from what? I, I'm blanking out. Singles. That's what Eddie, I thought. Eddie Vedder on drums. You got you got Chris Cornell on uh, uh, something. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> you got Matt Damon or Matt uh, Dillon for some yeah. reason singing because he's like the, you know, the actor. Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, I think. What that, do you guys think? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would watch Ethan Hawke all day long. There it is. Yeah. yeah, I'd be. I would rather be in that bar <laughs> <laughs> watching that show. Well, like one of wasn't one like one of his songs just like him getting mad at like Winona Ryder characters. Yeah. Well, if you're like, oh, this, this song sucks. No, I'd be entertained as hell. Yeah, I. I think I gotta go with "Hey, that's my bike." I love that band. I'm just more personal. I love singles, but I'm I'm more uh, fascinated by the ever evolving name changes. "Hey, that's my bike." <laughs> what, what were the other names? They had like four other names in that in that movie too. But "Hey, that's my bike" stood out. Yeah, that's um, my bike. Yeah, but they I, did I, keep. I'd see Citizen Dick myself, but to your respect, well, of course you would. You love singles was like your singles, number yeah. one choice for soundtracks that we did that's recently. True. So, if you recall, all right, that was a fun one. That was G. That was simple, reasonable, and oh, fair. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what do you got? Would you rather go on a 16-hour-long car ride with Little Nicky or Goldmember? Oh. <laughs> little Nicky all the way, dude. Yeah. Little yeah. Nicky. I mean, he, he could he can do some magical stuff, and um, once you get so past annoying. once that you get voice. past the voice, man, you know he's got man. he's got a good he's got a good heart. <laughs> he does have a good, good heart, heart. That's true. and yeah. and gold member does not and he does <laughs> gross things with his own body that you don't want to be around like, like, yeah like, right okay <laughs> all right all right yeah i think i i think i'll go little nicky too yeah that's oh that voice though it is annoying but he's still a pure <laughs> I, can, I, can I'm in speedway. I don't have to talk we can speak a, i can make a moratorium you know you like, turn the radio no up loud. there's no talking nicky this whole ride so. hey nicky we're gonna listen to audiobooks okay all right, all right. <laughs> okay uh angela do you have any did you prepare any or oh, uh, yes. oh good excellent are you ready for this first one okay I'm always ready would you rather be dumped like melissa was by bill in twister what? Or would you rather be dumped 
like Walter was by Maggie in Sleepless in Seattle. So let me break this down for you. Melissa goes with her Playing by fiance, the beautiful Jamie Gertz. Melissa yeah. goes with her fiance to meet his ex-wife and get the divorce papers signed so they can get married. And then she gets terrorized by tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up leaving her for his ex-wife. Yep. Um, so <laughs> or would you rather be Walter, who takes his his fiance to the top of a skyscraper on Valentine's Day, and she's like, I'm out of here for this guy that I heard on a podcast. <laughs> but he's so cool with it. He's like, wow. Because every, every, every time Meg, Ryan breaks up with someone, they're just like, this is a great idea. I don't love you either. <laughs> He's like, I agree. Yeah, Greg Kinnear was totally fine with it. Wait, no, who was it in the? Uh... That was Greg Kinnear, and and uh, you've got mail. Got mail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was and, totally fine and, with it. Yeah. No um, okay, so that's two movies. Anyway, so but yeah, I I think I would pick that option because at least you get like the view, you know, and you're and you're kind of okay with it. And also, I've never seen Twister, so I I I, I don't know what what happens there. I've never seen uh, I've seen Twister, but I've never seen either of the You Got Males or Sleep Is Not Wow. 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 They just seem so lame to me. So Oh, you're but wrong. I, I thought they'd be, I bet they're not as good as when Harry met Sally. Well, you got me there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I could take that. Much better. I love them. Uh, but I'm gonna go with the Jamie Gertz just because I'll go with Jamie Gertz anywhere. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, if if I get to hang out with Jamie Gertz, I might just pick that too. Yeah, <laughs> see Jamie Gertz in this scenario. <laughs> I don't even care like what era you are her in this scenario. You are doing oh. her, Travis. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, you got yours. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, th- I thought these guys were similar, but I assume they're both virgins. But I don't know that to be sure. By the end of the movie, one's not. So, would you rather be Steve Carell's character in the forty-year-old virgin uh, before he becomes unvirginized or de-virginized? <laughs> Uh, would you rather be that or would you rather be Napoleon Dynamite? Who would you rather be? Oh, gosh. Who's the bigger nerd? One looks more nerdy. I mean, Steve Carell is handsome. I give you that. But Yeah, I'll take Steve In that Carell. movie. In that movie, though. He's an incredible nerd. He's He's got a great collection of of, of toys and collectibles. He's so wholesome, he doesn't even need to masturbate, apparently. He's just like this guy that has no sexual drive. He's like a robot or something. That sounds like a blissful, easy life. I'll take that. Well, you have to work at Best Buy. Listen to that Michael McDonald tape all day, every day. Oh, yeah. I love Michael McDonald. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the punishment that people think it is. Okay, you do have a funny cast of uh, co-workers, though. You don't have to have, like, Kip as your brother. Yeah, Uncle Rico. Yeah. Like, like, it's a no-brainer for me. I would definitely be the 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> ah, yeah. I thought maybe that would be a detriment to Napoleon's side, where he lives... It's yeah, a lot of shit going on. Kind of bogus, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather live in Los Angeles. Okay, well, that was, yeah, I took a chance on that one. Uh, all right, Travis, what else you got, Trav? Um, all right, so uh, you've got two choices here. You can 
spend a weekend somewhere like on the in like north i don't know where it is somewhere in new england clearly a weekend with melvin udall uh no one else <laughs> is with you there's no greg kinnear there's no uh helen hunt it's just you and melvin he's they went driving to they went to maryland actually that where they were they're maryland yeah okay. that's where they got the crabs oh and the crabs right right all right so you're, you're going to maryland with melvin udall um he's driving he picks the music uh you have separate rooms but it's melvin udall or House party at J Laws and Javier Bardem's from Mother. <laughs> but it's not it, no no not the war part no eating children part just the just the early part where it's like uh, people fucking on the sink and it's just a little too wild. These are your options. Weekend with Melvin or, or okay. What is what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to hang out with Melvin because like it, it's like is this like the sweeter Melvin towards the end of the movie where we start to no, laugh? He's, I mean, this is this is the Melvin, Melvin that you the Melvin that you know in the, in that scene, like good enough where he can say, "You make me want to be a better man." <laughs> That's more more of a rip torn, but anyways. Still crab, picture ice cold beer, beautiful drive to Baltimore, Maryland. But it's all gonna be screwed up because he's a jerk. Right. You're not going he's to, still, enjoy and it. you're not Helen Hunt. You're you. Like he's not attracted to you. He's just yeah. like he's just like who's this fucking asshole I'm stuck with. It's still better than getting told to stay off the scene because it's not been raised yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, Mother is a scarring movie, man. I there's no way in hell I would want to step foot in that house. There's no way in hell. No, that's like a demon house for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather hang out with Melvin. I'll take the abuse. I know the abuse is gonna be there. It's part of the gig. You still get to listen to some good music. Not very inviting. Not very inviting. I agree. Yeah, I'd I'd rather hang out in that car. I don't care if Melvin hates me. I just find it so, that's yeah. the appeal of that movie. Even though he makes, I hate him. I just want to hang out with him and watch him more. It's so fascinating. Understand him. Yeah, yeah I pick Melvin too. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's got the emergency playlist too. So there's right. always that. We can listen oh, to that all and repeat. So he's he's organized. He's he's. Yeah, he's yeah, a little bit racist, but he's organized. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, the worst kind of racist. Yeah, those, those are the worst. You're right. Organized racist. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. Eric, what do you got? Would you rather get clocked in the face by Ivan Drago <laughs> from Rocky IV? Oh, boy. You could, I mind you, it could result oh. in a lifetime of severe brain damage. Or kill you. A professional oh, boxer killing someone who's unprepared for to take that kind of punch to the face that could kill you. Clock in the face by Ivan Drago, or you have to make love to Mac from Mac and Me. Does, is is a is a Mac a man or a woman? Do we know? Right. Or, is I mean, yeah. or we don't know what is there a hole? There's at least one orifice. Go to but town. Also childlike. He can procreate. Uh, is he a child? Yeah. Wait, yeah, is he a child? You gotta figure out how to do it. He's like a kid. I don't like where yeah, this is going. Alien this kids is, this are like territory. aliens are born adults. They're not children. So, so clocked in the face by Ivan Drago. Severe. No, wait, 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 wait. I want to know: uh, is this with the box? Is this with the boxing glove on or no boxing glove? Boxing glove on in the ring, wearing like trunks. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'll take the punch. <laughs> wait, can I have Viagra or something? Or is it just like I have like summoned the will to do this? You got. I mean, either way, if I'm getting punched or fucking an alien, what's that? As long as it takes, you got to muster up the courage and do. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it has oh. to come naturally. <sighs> it might be yeah, there a while. I don't, you don't, I don't, that kind of time, dude. Dude, my brain's already scrambled. I can't take any punches <laughs> to the head. I'm fucking Mac. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> there you have it. That was, that was a good one. Uh, that's good. Angela, you got another one? <laughs> yes. Okay. Would you rather so <laughs> babysit Colonel Slade for a weekend and try to get him not to commit suicide? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> or watch those brats from Adventures in Babysitting and hope they don't fall off a skyscraper in Chicago. <laughs> That is a tough one. I'll take the one asshole over the pack of assholes. <laughs> and if he kills himself, I just close the door and hang out in the in the uh, you know in the really nice suite Go for the rest the of the beard. thing. The yep, hang out in the oak room. Go back to Baird, email Carl Frank's niece or whoever the hell was. Please don't bring up Al Pacino when we record the podcast because all I want to do is just start screaming quotes from the movie. movie, Everything will just devolve into me screaming quotes. I'm just getting warmed up. (laughs) A bad man. That's a bad man. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So, yeah. I'm the man I I was 30 years ago. I took a flame. It's only 10. He only needs 10 years. Anyways, uh, I'll, I'll I'll take Al. Yeah, I definitely go with the L. I, I don't fuck kills kids, man. <laughs> Even yeah, though Al's a dick, yeah, Al might make me live a little, and you know what? I want to yeah. live a little. So I'm a great ghost too. Even though I don't want him to kill himself, I do want to live a little. So maybe I'll learn something along the way. There you go. There it is. We all pick Al. I, agree. I don't know what I'll learn from those damn kids at all. So no. I think, does she really learn killed? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can leave it at that. We could do this segment for hours. Uh, that, was fun. that was a lot of fun. We're, uh, we haven't even broached Dead Poets Society yet. So Let's do it. Probably rotating for that. Of course. Oh, yeah. One more good one. Okay. You're special. Really one more. Go ahead. Would Go you ahead. rather eat at Dorcia? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is, that, oh, is that American Psycho? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Or Jackrabbit Slims from Pulp Fiction. Oh, oh. Jackrabbit oh, Jack Slims. Slims. Yeah. That is a good yeah. one. It was a quick one. I had to get in. Good... Oh, Dorcia, if you can get in, like you could wait five years and not get in a Dorcia, but this is like I don't care about status. I want to go to Jack Rabbit Slims. It's just so much more fun. <laughs> I like I theme restaurants. Who am I kidding? What? Dorcia could be like an orgy where you get like where every pleasure is met immediately, and I would still go to Jack Rabbit Slims. <laughs> That's a fun theme though. If I mean if we're talking theme restaurants, orgy that theme. would be or just pleasures yeah. galore. Every Why has no one done that. I don't think there might be some law issues there. But hey, that was a good one, Ange. I like that. Jack Rabbit Slim is always a great place to do the twist and reenact your movie career from 20 years prior. All right. So this is the Cinema 9 podcast. We're going to dive into Dead Poet Society. We're going to find out, does it hold up? This is a choice from our very special guest star, Angela. Hey, I heard you got the new kid. Looks like a stiff. (laughs) Oops. Listen, don't mind Cameron. He's uh, born with his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? Rumor has it, you did summer school. Yep, chemistry. My father thought I should get ahead. How's your summer, Slick? Kane. <laughs> Makes door closed. Yes, sir. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? <laughs> Travesty. Hard. Okay. Study group. Meek's ace Latin. I didn't quite flunk English. So if you want, 
we got our study group. Sure, Cameron asked me to. Anyone mind including? What's your specialty? Boot licking? Um, he's your roommate. That's not my fault. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, my name is Stephen Meeks. Oh, this is Todd Anderson. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Charlie Dalton. Knox Over Street. Todd's brother was Jeffrey Anderson. Oh, yeah, sure. Ooh, well, Valedictorian. National Merit Scholar. Oh, well. Welcome to Helton. It's every bit as tough as they say, unless you're a genius like Meeks. He flatters me. That's why I help him with Latin. And English. And <laughs> trick. It's open. Father, I thought you'd come. Mr. Yes, sir. Keep your seats, fellas. Keep your seats. Neil, I've just spoken to Mr. Nolan. I think that you're taking too many extracurricular activities this semester, and I've decided that you should drop school annual. But I'm the assistant editor this year. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Neil. But, Father, I can't. It wouldn't be fair. Fellas, would you excuse us for a moment? dispute me in public, you understand? Father, I wasn't yes, disputing after you. you finished medical school and you're on your own, then you can do as you damn well please. But until then, you do as I tell you. Is that clear? Yes, sir, I'm sorry. <clears throat> you know how much this means to your mother, don't you? Yes, sir. You know me, you're always taking on too much. Well, that's my boy. Allison, you need anything, you let us know, huh? Yes, sir. So, Angela, we're going to give you the floor first. Angela, do you remember the first time you saw this film? Could you take us back to the beginning? The Where, when, how? What did, where did this all begin for you? So, I can't say I remember the exact first time I saw it, but I remember the many, many times I saw it. Um, so, it had to have been at Aaron Reichert's house. Oh. And um, we would just, like, watch movies all the time over there. And um, I, I think I was probably about... Wow. Something like that. Um, and so here's what I think when I used to watch it, how it would make me feel was like invigorated and then just destroyed at the end. Because, <laughs> but like at the beginning, it's very much like a young person's movie. So I'd be really interested to see like how my niece would react to it today. Um, because it's, the themes are, you know, freedom for the first time. And like, we've been repressed and somebody's telling us we can live a little bit and like, we're going to break the rules and it's going to be awesome. And like all the stuff you experience when you're a teenager. And um, so I think that's why it was powerful. And then couple on top of that, like everybody meets like one special mentor early on, whether it was a high school teacher or someone in your life that speaks to you and that character is really special when I was little. It's like, oh, like, I mean, I think a lot of people were like, oh, carpe diem, seize the day, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. It made carpe diem a cliche, I'm pretty sure. Um, Absolutely. And oh, so yeah. I guess the question of does it hold up is really the question. Whoa! Oh, I'm sorry. Whoa. I Way too early for that. Oh. Way too early. We are just opening. We are just getting warmed up. All right. That's my, that's my 
my intro for it. Oh, that's a good intro. That was yeah. a great intro. Great. We'll just edit that part out, even though it's live. So that's anybody who's seeing it already saw you through it. <laughs> so you, got, you got passion. You Thank like you. it. Yeah. All right, Travis, take us back. The first time you saw it on VHS tape, right? No fucking <laughs> idea. No recollection. Oh, yeah. um, no sometime, recollection? No. Sometime in the early mid-90s. Last, and that was the last time I saw it once or twice. Wow. It's been a long time. So it didn't strike you? Um, not that no, you recall, obviously. not particularly, no. Interesting. And you are at an age where you would have been a little more impressionable if you, I mean. You I mean, I was watching all kinds of dramas. That that was a time that was thick with white people prep school movies. We just mentioned Scent school of a Woman. School Ties. School, school ties. ties. There was a bunch of stuff like that. Even regarding Henry, like, you know, it's like <laughs> the, the assumption is all just like if there's a child in the movie, obviously they go to like an East Coast brick and mortar, you know, like like a <laughs> white person only school, <laughs> apparently. And that's like every movie from that era. Uh, oh, we should have like... done. I wish Angela would have picked School Ties now. Man, Angela, gonna... why didn't you do what my wanted you to do you did this yeah, i love that <laughs> right. Brendan fraser yeah now i'm focused on the wrong movie okay so not a not a fond memory for you travis that is interesting uh eric come yeah. on i remember i know you remember the first time you saw this movie dude i don't i re i vaguely re remember like renting it like when i was a teenager all i remember yeah. was the get on the desk i don't even know why so, I mean, I got a feeling if this came out in like 97, 98, it would have made like a fucking huge impression on me. But since it came out in 89 when I was a kid and then I missed it, it was just like I haven't thought about it since I saw it like for the full time, like in its completion, you know, last week and last night. I watched it twice. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I had never seen this film, so it's a brand new experience for me. And uh, let's open it up to the audience a little bit. IMDb, did anybody look it up or we care to wager yeah, a guess? I accidentally looked it up. Oh, you're out yeah, there. Yeah, I looked it up too. It's oh, like eight, eight something. Yeah, it's an 8.1. Very. That's the wow. elite category. That's an yeah. elite world. So that's. People speak highly of it. And then on the good old Rotten Tomatoes, Angela, we love Rotten Tomatoes on this show. We're big fans of it. We support Rotten yeah. Tomatoes because. Their word is law. And on the <laughs> thermometer. Do we feel uh, this I way? Think, I don't know if that's really true at all. But 84% uh, from the critics. Uh, that's not top. You know, that's not 90. 84 is real good, though. And then a 92. The audience loves it 8% more than the critics do. And over 300,000 user ratings from the audience. So that's respectable. And, of course, on this show, we'd like to take a look back to see what the critics said about this film once upon a time. And... <laughs> I don't know if we're going to get any uh, 1989 actual criticisms. Uh, that, was, that seems like that might be harder to find on the Internet. But we got Destin Thompson checking All in. Right. Oh, yeah. This is from 20 plus years ago. He said, <laughs> solid, <laughs> smart entertainment. Okay. Yeah. A little more succinct than usual. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's phoning it in, bro. Solid, smart <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and then there's our good old buddy, our, your Chicago pal, Roger Ebert, said, uh, not the worst of the countless recent movies about good kids and hidebound authoritarian older people. No, nope. it's <laughs> hidebound. Interesting. I think he's yeah. referring to those prep school movies. He is. I think, yeah, I think this so. is uh, this is an older review for sure. More recent. Roger reviewed this when it came out, and he said it may, however, be the most shameless in its attempt to pander to an adolescent audience. Wow! <laughs> wow! God bless Raj. Woo. 
Exactly. I love him. Balls, man. That was a maverick review back then. Everyone yeah. was, was just lo- lauding the shit out of this movie. Fucking, is, I, is God, I just respect him more and more every day. Yeah, I mean, his uh, the review last couple of reviews have been impressive by him. And then, uh, yeah. so that was a that was a splat. Uh, we can always <laughs> go with uh, let's see, how about New York Times? Uh, is that a place that people go to? No, I've heard of it. Nah, it's trash. Anyways, uh, the, all, most of the reviews are positive, like Eric said. Uh, yeah. Somebody from the New Times said, generally fairly tedious and predictable without being especially believable. So oh, apparently, does that bother? And Gene Siskel, Roger's partner, said that it was a refreshing, if obvious, drama. So obviousness. Yes, that does seem to be the theme of some of these criticisms, that uh, it's blatant. You know, what you see is not surprising necessarily. So I, let's take a look at that, because I found myself watching this for the first time mm-hmm. so i have i i know the old captain my captain but i don't know what the context of it is i really didn't i, di- I just know that people stood on a desk and said oh captain my captain right I, I didn't know anything about what happens to poor neil you know as the movie goes on spoiler alerts if you're listening to this, of course. so <laughs> I, I didn't know that 30 years i guess that was kind of obvious like some of the things that happen in this film are weird like the fact that the they spend like the first hour and 15 minutes or so all the old folks or the authoritarians in the background they're kind of out of the picture and then one day the fucking headmaster peeks out the windows and sees them in the courtyard like an hour and 15 minutes into the film and suddenly <laughs> people are like taking notice when the guy the <laughs> other them tearing up the book like 40 minutes prior before that so I, it seems strange that like all the people in the background that would be pissed about this like waited too long to get involved I don't yeah. see the structure There's of the no like rubric for Professor Keating. Like, how did he even get this job? What was the interview like? Did he just lie his way through it and be like, "Oh, I'm going to follow the curriculum. Uh, that sounds great to me. All right, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go." And then just do everything completely opposite once he gets the job. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, so you're sitting there in agony. Come on, Todd, step up. Let's put you out of your misery. I I didn't do it. I didn't write a poem. Mr. Anderson thinks that everything inside of him is worthless and embarrassing. Isn't that right, Todd? That's your worst fear. I think you're wrong. I think you have something inside of you that is worth a great deal. I sound my barbaric yawp the rooftops world. W, W, Uncle Walt again. Now, for those of you who don't know, a yelp is a loud cry or yell. Now, Todd, I would like you to give us a demonstration of a barbaric yelp. <laughs> come on, you can't yelp sitting down. Let's go. Come on, up. Gotta get in yelping stance. A yelp. No, not just a yelp. A barbaric yelp. Yelp. Come on, louder. Yelp. Oh, that's a mouse. Come on, louder. Yelp. Oh, good God, boy, yell like that. There it is. You see? You have a barbarian in you after all. Now, you don't get away that easy. Picture Uncle Walt up there. What does he remind you of? Don't think. Answer. Go on. A, a, a madman. What kind of madman? Well, think about it. Just answer again. A crazy madman. Oh, you can do better than that. Free up your mind. Use your imagination. Say the first thing that pops into your head, even if it's total gibberish. Oh, uh, uh, a sweaty tooth madman. Good God, boy, there's a poet in you after all. There, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close them. Now, 
Describe what you see. Uh, I, I close my eyes. Yes. Uh, and this image floats beside me. The sweaty tooth madman. The sweaty tooth madman with a stare that pounds my brain. Oh, that's excellent. Now give him action. Make him do something. His hands reach out and choke me. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And all the time he's mumbling. What's he mumbling? Uh, mumbling truth. Yeah, yeah. Truth like like a blanket that always leaves your feet cold. Forget them, forget them. Stay with the blanket. Tell me about that blanket. You, 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 you push it, stretch it, it'll never be enough. You kick at it, beat it, it'll never cover any of us. From the moment we enter crying to, to the moment we leave dying, it'll just cover your face as you wail and cry and scream. I'm not going to talk about where I work because I don't want them to ever hear my podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, amen. But uh, I have recently started in a position that's not too unlike what uh, Mr. Keating's doing there. And I, and like Anne says, like, I think mentorship is really important. And, um, and I want to be a mentor to people in my life the way that I've been lucky enough to be mentored. So there are aspects of this movie that I really like. And that's, and that's one of them, um, is it's, uh, emphasis on the way that, that someone could have an, like a, a deep influence on your life. But I'm so nervous to continue talking about this movie anymore because I have been just, ripping to fuck every movie that we've come across on this podcast <laughs> and i don't have a ton of great things to say about dead poet society oh. <laughs> give them a gold barrels travis no. so, like I, like people like these like i'm like oh man we keep on reviewing these movies that like people like i'm like well and people are gonna be oh i like this movie then i'm like here comes this fucking asshole with all of his opinions <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's a conversation. I, yeah, I, what, I think one of the biggest problems I have with this movie um, is the underdevelopment of Ethan Hawke's character. Like, if you're going to have the last third of this movie ride on this character, you needed to do a lot more with him. I need to like really remember his name, Todd. I think Todd Brown. They mentioned his name. Todd Henderson. Todd Henderson. Todd Henderson. Okay. Um, like he was just pretty. Like, okay, he's kind of in the shell, and he comes out somewhat throughout the course of the movie, but like. I, I guess I just kind of needed more. And my other criticism is I think that everything would have been a lot better if Mr. Keaton had not Mr. Keating had not come into their lives. If what? If Mr. Keating had not come into their lives, they, they, would, they would have been better off. That's my oh takeaway. He did, yeah, he did more harm than good. You agree? Wow. Well, I certainly thought about it because, like, I think he thought about it. After that car drove away at the end of the play that night, when Kurtwood Smith, by the way, I love Kurtwood Smith. Oh, yeah. I always want Brandon more. Kurtwood Smith. It never ends. I, I wish I, I got to watch every Kurtwood Smith ever because I just want to suck up everything that he does on screen. <laughs> it's so good. He's yeah, such he's a great. dick. I love it. And, uh, but when they drive off after Neil's done a wonderful job in the play, and you can see it on his face, like Keating is checked out. He's like staring longingly long after the car drove off. And they're like, hey, yeah. should we walk back? We're going to walk back. And, I think he sees that he's he questioning knows. like, Man, have I done more harm here than good? And when he cries after tragic end for poor Neil, when he was reading the little poetry in the beginning, yeah. the, uh, bone marrow, suck it dry, live life. <laughs> la, la, la. I think he really realizes that shit. Maybe I projected too much of my own life. Oh, I don't the think there's a question about it. I think he knows he did that. And these are going to, there's going to be serious ramifications. I don't think he's, suspects anyone's going to die, but I think that's the whole point of the movie. You have to be bold and take a step off the cliff and a leap of faith, do something you know might not be the best thing to do, but do it because you're passionate about it. So I think he knows it's gonna upset a lot of shit, but he's doing it because trying to inspire people to just do something different. 
think he just doesn't want them all to be lemmings. Like, at one point, I think he says, like, yeah, you guys can be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you're going to be. But, like, open up your mind, have a little room for art in there, and, like, passion in your life. He just doesn't want them to be, like, boring drones and, like, not be able to enjoy things. And maybe yeah, he wants them to be for him. Right. He wants them to be independent thinkers. He makes that point when he's sitting next to that teacher who questions him. It's not about uh, molding them to be college educated ready. And it's about letting them be independent thought. Hey, I'm going to speak for myself and think for myself. And everybody else thinks that's dangerous. And I I think that he's definitely not responsible for the kid's death. It's the fact that that he deserves that oh, calf to my calf to the end. The standing room only is well deserved. I I I do. But he still has a – he did do some damage. So both things could be real, and they can live in the same universe. <laughs> and, 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 Eric, maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe, maybe this is one of the strengths of the movie, you know, if I, if I, if I consider it differently. I, I, I do agree that, like, he clearly has a positive influence in the lives of everyone who survives his class, or at least about half of them or so. <laughs> um, but with this particular kid, like – so yes, I, I agree that he deserves the the applause, you know, the, the their uh, their accolades or whatever, and I and I agree that it's not, that he's not exactly responsible. But I ask myself as I watch the movie, like, what happens to Neil if if he just has some boring ass teacher that you know th- that reads the textbook? God forbid. What's that textbook? Is a joke, but I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know what happens is he, he goes away and. As soon as he's out from under his father's son, he probably starts fucking all the dudes in his dorm and, you know, just has like the time of his life and is completely free and 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 lives forever and is very, very happy. Like he like if he had just give, been get, like if he hadn't pushed like Keating pushed him. Like he into that, especially that particular conversation. He's like, you need to have this conversation with your father. Like he tells him like to, ha- to have a confrontation with his father. I'm like, I don't know how much that does him any good. To me, that advice yeah. was more like, um, like this is something that you need to discuss with your father. Like, I can't tell you to be in the play. Obviously, you have to talk to him about it if that's what you want to do. That's how yeah. I took it. Like, he was actually trying to do the right thing. Oh, like, no, I, I know he was. I know he was. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's too bad. I feel bad for uh <laughs> Well, I, I think he knew like I think he came there to throw in a monkey wrench. That's why like they hinted his wife's in like London or something. I think he knew he was going to be on be fire probably after all this came about. It's not like he's he's not going to find out all this stuff that's happening to these kids is is going to be a detriment to the the school. Like there's no scene at the end where he's getting fired and they have to show him arguing like I'm doing good for these kids. You don't understand. I think he knows what he's what's going to happen the entire time. He's going to be fired. You know, it's not the kid dying, that you, which is horrible. Well, that's a, that's a terrible tactic as a teacher. Like you want, if you want to make an impact in kids' lives, you you like, and you want to have like a paycheck and you want to have a steady income. Like I'm just going to blow into this school and like <laughs> just burn it the fuck down and say whatever right. I want until they fire my ass. Uh, right. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought the. The whole suicide buildup, like they really drew that out, man. Like I'm like, okay, he's got the windows open, all right. <laughs> is he gonna just go out and walk in the snow for a while, and then go back to bed? And this tomorrow will just be the rest of his boring life. I really wasn't convinced that that's where it was gonna go, 
But then, as I saw, he's going to go down the stairs. It, it led to an obvious... I saw that coming, and it's not like they're trying to trick me necessarily, but it really seems like, as a first-time viewer, it seems like they forced his suicide. Like, I just don't think he would have done that. It just seems like he would have just took off. He was a coward, so he would have ran away at the very least. Like, I'm out of here. I'm just going to run away. I just didn't see him doing that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of felt similarly. Go I ahead. Think I'll, I, I think, again, and you're making me laugh, Travis, because every time you say that this guy should not have been telling, giving him these lessons, I think you're right. <laughs> he was probably influenced by the credo of the Dead Poet Society, which was even if you die and you lived a good life or had some happiness and did what you had to do in your heart, then it's okay to die. So he might have even been like, not considered suicide to be such a bad thing because he already had his moment in the sun. Right, he sees the Which is a part of the short-sightedness of teenage suicide. I will say that. That's true. So that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. I'll give you you a credit for that. We're trying very hard to understand why it is that you insist on defying us. Whatever the reason, we're not going to let you ruin your life. Tomorrow, I'm withdrawing you from Welton and enrolling you in Brayton Military School. You're going to Harvard, and you're going to be a doctor. But that's ten more years. Father, that's a lifetime! Oh, stop it! Don't be so dramatic. You make it sound like a prison term. You don't understand, Neil. You have opportunities that I never even dreamt of, and I am not going to let you waste I've got them. to tell you what I feel! I've been so worried about it! Tell me what you feel! What is it? Is it more of this, this acting business? Because you can forget that. What? Nothing. as a photographer that the suicide scene is beautifully shot um we should talk about peter weir that's a good point no i oh, so i remember it when John i was when i was young too like before i knew about all like camera angles and lighting and shadow and stuff i remember the impact of that scene it was like it was crazy it was some acting but it's like he's got like neil's skinny like shadow on the wall then when he's like slowly walking down the stairs, it's just, it's like building up. And then um, the part that always got me was just like the dad waking up, knowing something's wrong. And it's the first time in the movie that you see him vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like you don't hear the gunshot, but he did. And then he's like, oh no, like you could tell he knows something's wrong. And then, yeah, it's a little too late when they, how he shows his love for his son. But, um, but it's pretty powerful. Yeah, and that perf- yeah, that performance. Um, I, I don't know the woman's name, but uh, like, he's okay. He's okay. Ooh. Like that's a really oh, good scene yeah. oh, between the two good. of them. Yeah, what's that? That's good. But I was that's kind of confused. Like, Kurtwood Smith's character makes it seem like they're like destitute and they can't afford to send him there, and yet 
They live in a gigantic fucking mansion. Their house is yeah. They had a nice office, a very nice office. I thought it was very well finished. But he worked his ass off to get there. Okay, that's the point. Well, that, yeah. How rich the rich people, people are. People it's there. another level. Yeah. Right. Relatively. Entertaining in these movies, like, isn't aren't they like 16, 17? Can't they just do whatever the fuck they want to when they're adults? Like, why does he have to go to a military academy for ten years? And go to medical school because like, when you're, you're young, you feel trapped. But you, we're looking at this like adults too. We gotta go. You gotta go back, and you have to know what it's like to be a child or a, a youngster, and be like, "Hey, I'm in this family. This is all I know. They've yeah. given everything for me." And, you know, he obviously feels the impact yeah. of that. And it's not just easy to blow it off. Hey, I'm an adult. Fuck it. You know, I'll do my own thing now. It's a lot harder when you're still up and coming, and you have so many unknown fears of what the real world is. So. I think we have to give more credit to that. I mean, I'd be, I wish I could have seen this movie when I was 17, 16. I wonder what I would have thought of it then, because I think it would be different. We've got an Academy Award scre- winning screenplay by Tom Shulman. So uh, is it up to par? Does it deserve the Oscar? Is this one of the great scripts of all time? And what are the main problems with it? I don't, I don't think it is. Go what ahead, Angela said is, the way it's shot, it's beautiful. There's so many oh, God, things. So when boring. Josh Charles is riding down the hill with all the birds, and I mean I that's that. really cool. It looks they're great. Riding in the woods with their trench coat. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Let's go to the cave. They're all like these little goblins. Elves. All of a sudden, cave. they're elves. All of a sudden, they're <laughs> fucking elves. There's like Our misty elves. forest, whatever going on, and they turn into elves. It's their yeah. coats, man. Okay. Can, okay. <laughs> but as far as the the screenplay, uh, you know the. It does make sense. I actually think it's a pretty solid screenplay, and it actually seems like it belongs in its time. The mother is like this. It's so 50s. It's, it does seem like 50s shit. Like silence, silence. Mother doesn't say anything, and this dominant father saying what's what. And I'm not saying it's right at all, but it does seem believable, especially for that period of time. Um, so, I'm so glad you brought that up. Just really quick. Because I was wondering on my first viewing, why does this play take place in 1959? Like, couldn't we get much more from it if it was like today, like in 1989 in a prep school? Like, because some of like the lessons even seem antiquated. Like, of course they know that like there's more to life than just this. Like, does it need to be a period piece? Well, that kind of helps justify the whiteness. <laughs> I bet that school was just as white in 89. I guarantee it. <laughs> Probably. Look, I, I don't know that. It, so as far as the script goes, I feel like there are like, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like the strengths of this movie are the acting, you know, even though let's we haven't talked about Robin Williams that much, but I think he, he could have done this in his fucking sleep. This is Adrian Cronauer who has not without his coffee yet. This is uh, this is not hard. This was not hard work for him to do. Uh, but everybody else, especially uh, what's his name, Robert Sean Leonard, is that his name? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think he does really really good work. I think that the direction is really good. But the, but and the script has these two really um, well kind of melodramatic moments that are, that that are emotionally effective. But like um, you know, it's easy to make them emotionally effective. The suicide and the and the, and the tables standing at the end. The rest of the movie, to me. Um, I just kind of didn't really care. Kinda, kinda <laughs> I didn't really totally care agree. what was going on. Oh like, just didn't really care about the jo- about Josh Charles thing with the girl. Didn't really care about. That was actually entertaining, it. but yeah, I'm with you. I well, and then he like starts feeling her up when she's unconscious. I'm like, good, <laughs> punch this fucker. 
Um, that's fine. Punch him again. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I kind of just didn't like, I, 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 I had a mo- moments where I felt emotion, but like they were the most emotionally manipulative moments. So I just didn't really feel like uh, I was at, like uh, this movie just didn't like dig into me in a way that I, I would think like a best picture or a best screenplay movie might do. And yeah, that goes back to Mr. Henderson, Ethan Hawke's character not being developed well because they're always trying to be like, what's your problem, man? What's your problem, man? We don't know what the problem is. It's, it's not really like clarified at all. We, we get the yeah, big yeah. brother thing. They yeah. mentioned, oh, you or big brother was a big deal here once upon a time. But that's it. That's not enough. Yeah. I, that needs to be fleshed out more. That's true. But I did like the other character development as far as like, I like all the little characters. Uh, I think it creates a, like an atmosphere and like the world of the boys school. Like I like Minx. He's one of my favorites, and like Nawanda is hilarious. Douchebag. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but but there's, I mean, there's all different. Like, I like their names. I used to have a crush on Knox. Um, Knox Overstreet. What Knox a fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's they all. <laughs> this time around, I did notice that they all introduced themselves by their full names when they're meeting Todd. Very important. Funny. Very important, especially at that school. But I, I agree with you, Ange. I think that's smart. I think that is one of the perks of the script is the inclusion of all these people. They don't just disappear and fall off. They do stay in. Even at the very end, the guy, the kid who wrote the cat on a mat poem and wasn't into that shit at all. He got up he, on the mats. Yeah, he stood up. And even the kid with the runny nose the whole movie. I mean, they include that at the end. That. I dig, and I like that continuity. And I usually hate TV shows or movies that don't stick to continuity, so I will <laughs> give the movie credit for that. Kudos to them. And that scene also really did it for me this time. This is the scene that I probably got most choked up at, or actually it's the only scene I got choked up at, um, watching it, because I noticed something I'd never really noticed before, um, even though I'd only seen it once or twice, but i just kind of forgotten about all of the kids that can't look at him. All the kids that keep their back to Mr. Keating while he, you know, it's, it's like the kids staying on the desk is like, that's what I remember. But like the, the realism of the fact that like, as a teacher, like I know that there are some kids that I am like lucky enough that I can like have a positive impact on their lives. And there's some kids that for whatever reason are going to fucking hate my ass and they always <laughs> will. And, and that's, and like, that's just kind of, and like, so like you, you read some folks, you read some and others you don't. And like, I kind of remember it as if everybody uniformly got up and, and stood on their chairs. And that would have been cheesy. That would have been inauthentic. And yeah. it was the authenticity of that moment that made me be like, that's, they nailed that. They really yeah. fucking nailed that. Understanding Poetry by Dr. J. Evans Pritchard, PhD. To fully understand poetry, we must first be fluent with its meter, rhyme, and figures of speech. Then ask two questions. One, how artfully has the objective of the poem been rendered? And two, how important is that objective? Question one rates the poem's perfection. Question two rates its importance. And once these questions have been answered, determining the poem's greatness becomes a relatively simple matter. If the poem's score for perfection is plotted on the horizontal of a graph... Mr. The Keating, they made everybody Why, sign Anderson? it. <laughs> you gotta believe me, it's true. I do believe you, Tom. Leave, Mr. Keating. But it wasn't his fault. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. One more outburst from you or anyone else, and you're out of this school. Leave, Mr. Keating. I said leave, Mr. Keating.
captain, my captain. Sit down, Mr. Anderson. You hear me? Sit down. Sit down. This is your final warning, Anderson. How dare you? You hear me? Oh, captain, my captain. Mr. Overstreet, I warn you, sit down. Sit down. Sit down, all of you. I want you seated. Sit down. Leave, Mr. Keating. I mean, my favorite part about that scene, aside from Robin Williams' tender blue eyes when he almost is crying, he says, yeah. thank, thank you, boys. Maurice Jarre's yeah. gorgeous score in the background. But it's the Ethan Hawke character. It's like throughout the movie, I'm thinking like, well, everyone's inspired to do something by Professor Keating. But like, what is Todd doing? Because he kind of sulks around for the entire movie until the very end when his biggest fear was like, you know, speaking in public or, or being the first one to speak up when he has something in his heart to say. And he's the one that speaks up for Mr. Keating at the end. That's when it really got me when hmm. his voice was heard. Well, that's some good, that's some good character development right there. Yeah. I, say that. And I do like it when he squeaks out the, um, the excuses, like he's not allowed to talk, but he's like, we had to sign it. We had to, like, he was like trying to explain it went, it was a lot. And it's those choices. They don't show him signing it and then like breaking down and like blah, blah, blah. It's just yeah. move on and then you figure it out. It happens. Yeah, I do. Love That's that true. Movie. Yeah, I can, I can dig on The that. overall yeah. camaraderie of, of the guys is really fun because it's rare. Even in like these school movies, it's like bickering. It's like they take sides, like they get in a fight, they get well, old. That like, does happen. That yeah, that's so much more real to me, though. These people get along too well. But for the, no, I like that. You don't see that. No, like, I don't like it at all. These are teenage boys. They're the biggest dicks in the world. Yeah, but, like, we encouraged each other growing up. And, like, you don't see a lot of movies where just friends encourage each other throughout the entire thing and, like, want to, like, each other to do well. Yeah, but you can do both. You can encourage and be like, then fuck this guy. And then they get pissed off about little things. They do get in little tiffs. They're not major, though, but it's yeah, not a criticism. I don't care. I mean, the re much. the redhead kid, you know, he turns a traitor and gets punched out and kind oh, of. Oh, the guy from The Way of the Gun? He makes some decent points, also. <laughs> but. Um... Yeah, he does some good points. <laughs> I, do, I like it how the, the, they go in a cave. All right, you guys, you got to remember this when you're a kid. They found a cave in the woods. Yeah. 
and read poetry and it was fun. Well, I didn't do that. Like, it was, no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like the dumbest thing ever, but they made it like magical <laughs> and fun. Yeah. Because it's just like, because they're Nawanda. kids. That's all it takes is a cave in a book. That's why I called this yeah. white people the movie because it was so like so white and so lame. <laughs> oh my gosh! We're gonna read poetry in a cave. We're radicals with their fucking coats on. This is the whitest movie I've ever seen, and I'm gonna stand behind that. Where does Nawanda keep? Where does Nawanda keep getting his his lady's lipstick? Where is it? Yeah, where, I mean, I where is this keep coming from? from, but, uh... <laughs> from Laura Walters, but do you uh, think? Oh, yeah. I think in reality we would all go to the cave and be like, do we really have to read the poetry, or can we like, just like, drink and smoke and tell jokes? Well, they do drink and smoke. I'll give them that. So they do cut loose a little but bit. They did that before Professor Keating came, and that's my point about them. Like, how much do they need Keating? Because they're all yeah. like not completely object to the real world around world around them that was something else that i kind of picked up on as i watched the movie i'm like there's moments where i feel like we're supposed to kind of feel like these were just they were just these dead souls until right. mr <laughs> keating comes and breathes life into them and like it shows them like cavorting when he's not around and like you're kind of supposed to think like oh like he's done this somehow or like I'd like okay, we're just putting too much on mr keating here who again also is kind of not i mean like you like I, maybe it's a good thing that we're somewhat distant from the character because we only ever see him working or other than when he's fired. Like we don't know, like we don't get a lot of uh, the, his interior thoughts and that kind of stuff. Right. Like you kind of have, he's kind of a blank slate, which teachers kind of are. So I guess maybe that's a good thing too. There's some pluses and minuses to the movie. I'm not, I'm not of one mind on it. A couple of minuses for me since you brought it up. <laughs> Because you guys are probably thinking, like, Angela's a huge fan. She's not going to have these minuses. But um, I will say, growing up, I thought that it was really, like, charming. Like, I thought Knox's persistence. Knox Overstreet? Knox Overstreet's persistence <laughs> with Chris was like, oh, it's so romantic. And I remember watching that party scene and just thinking it was, like, it was, like, normal. And, like, he was making a move or whatever. But yeah, this time it was super creepy. I was like, oh my God. Like the worst part is his desperate, like horny look on his face and says, please God help me. And then, and then goes for it while she's sleeping. Yeah, it's pretty, what the hell was that? And then she buys in? Come on. And she bought in. Uh, and like, you're like growing up, I hated Chet. I was like, F that guy. This time I was like, yeah, kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't really get the feeling that Chet's that bad a guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, he still could be a bad guy, and he should still kick his ass. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to buy both of those. And I do think if it was made these days, Neil is clearly gay. I mean, is that what oh, they yeah. were trying to say? Like, are, are they trying to make that – were they trying to make that point – I thought um, that and was that's why he killed himself. Like, I'm never going to be allowed to be gay if I can't even be an actor. <laughs> I can't act. I don't hint at it at all, but you're allowed <laughs> to make that reference point. Yeah, yeah, I felt like it was subtext, but maybe that's yeah. just my shit. But would they have put? Oh. Would they have put? Like, would they have made it that he was gay these days? And would that have been better, or sure. better that he's implied? I think they would have now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would too. 1989, tough time to be gay. I mean, AIDS was barely spoken of still. Yeah, it was a nightmare. It's bogus. Totally bogus. But would but, it have been better to know he's gay, or would it still have been better made implied? 
know. Well, how much do we get to know about these characters when they're just by themselves and like their internal thoughts? We just were observers to all of them based on their relationships. So like no one is really like explicitly pronounced as one thing or another. It's just we show them in these circumstances. That's true. Yeah. I'll give yeah. them credit. They're not a lot of labels are thrown around and they're just kind of there. And I do yeah. like that. I don't yeah. I like more to be left to the imagination. So I, I'll give them credit for that. But you know, as we start to slowly uh, wind up our Dead Poet Society what? talk here, we gotta come to a conclusion eventually. Oh. And <laughs> after thirty years, thirty-one years, this film has been in existence. It is permeated high school culture and you know how many tens of thousands of lame-ass english teachers have tried to emulate <laughs> not even english teachers just all teachers have tried to be like hey i saw dead poet society and i want to be just like that and they failed miserably miserably <laughs> miserably but it has happened so i don't know uh Travis, final thoughts, Garbage. and uh, are you ready to give us your answer? Zombie Dead Poet Society. That's That'd what be cool he does. This is a zombie movie, actually. That's the, the very subtle ticking of the clock in the background. Um, so I felt like I felt like this movie, in a lot of ways, is heavy-handed as fuck. I felt like um, some of the, you know, I felt like I felt like Williams. Were, I, I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. We barely discussed him because he's practically a non-entity in this movie, and so and that's that's a stretch. I mean, like, but like I, I don't know, like this, it, it just didn't feel like. All right, I'll, so I, it's not the best Robin Williams movie. He does give um, a few well, impressions. He, of course, he snuck in a few impressions with <laughs> Brando and the. Uh, yeah, which actually probably detracted more than helped. It did. But, it's like, yeah. you're not doing this in this film. Why are you doing this? Right. You don't have to do this. You don't have to. But maybe like maybe he was told to. I don't know. Couldn't but, no, he couldn't help himself. No fucking way. <laughs> but, you know, later on in movies, he, he's able to rein that in. Anyways. So, I mean, but you know, there are emotional moments in the movie that really struck me. But I also kind of walked away. With, like, there's a reason I hadn't kind of really thought hadn't really thought about it don't really care about it um so i'm gonna do a thing you know when it comes to like does this movie hold up or not if we were doing it as a percentage thing i would say i 49 percent don't care about this movie but one percent tipped over because i got emotional at the seat thing at the standing at the end so i'm gonna give it a, it holds up Oh wow! Wow! Apparently it holds up. Just fucking. Oh, it does hold up. Yeah, I'm saying just fucking barely it holds up. Oh wow! Okay, uh, Eric Branstrom, what do you have to say? Uh, yeah, I I I really liked it. What? Like the first time I saw, it, I told you last weekend, I was like critical as hell. I've got like like five pages of notes just being like. These lessons are obvious. Uh, he's he's not even right about the Robert Frost poem. It's not even about that because it, if you read the poem, you'll know that like both blah blah blah. Like there's a lot of like mismanagement in the script and like his his like his lessons in general. Like he tells everyone to get on the the desk so they can get a per, same like a different perspective. It's the same perspective that he has, and it's the same type of thing. And like a lot of his lessons, it's like what is this guy really teaching? He's saying that you can't. Like he's confusing poetry appreciation with the like the teaching of writing poems. Like there's little stuff like that in his teaching that I would want to hear more from from Travis, because I think they're getting away with a lot by like the saccharine score and the sweet screenplay. But 
it's all really fun and it works for me as a movie because it's really entertaining and it's shot so beautifully by the great John Seal, who also shot Talented Mr. Ripley and Rain Man. And the acting is so good and it's fun to hang out with the, the friends. So for me, it absolutely holds up. And yeah, I could talk about it for a long time. It's a classic Bansom flip-flop right there. hey <laughs> Well, on the opposite end of that coin then, Angela Branstrom, what is it going to be? I mean, you picked the movie, but does it hold up? I did pick it. Um, for me, the character development, um, the world that they created, and the acting lets it hold up, I think. Um, the only difference for me is like other movies that I watch over and over again, it's not a hold up where I go back and watch and watch and watch. It's not really, the content's not very enjoyable as far as like, you know, there's a suicide what? and it's like a bunch of, yeah, like this is no pretty in pink. I mean, that's fun to watch. There's like singing and like getting dressed up to go to school and all that crap, like a normal teen movie. This is like a heavy teen movie. So it holds up in its own right, but it's not one that, you know, I go back to over and over again these days like i did when i was a kid oh. hmm. so it does hold up though yeah, okay yeah. all right interesting not a strong endorsement but from none of us uh, <laughs> a lukewarm endorsement. lukewarm <laughs> fucking endorsements here what do you got mike yeah uh no this movie does not hold up about <laughs> it uh, it's very easy for me to make that choice so maybe i got into it got in my nostalgia wheelhouse when I was younger. It may have changed things. But since it doesn't have that going for it, you know, like Dick Tracy does, this is easily a not holding <laughs> film. I think there's a lot of things you could have done differently. I think it's done poorly on several fronts. It's beautiful. It is lovely to look at. But so is, uh, I don't know, uh, think of something awful that's lovely to look at. Great. Yes, it is lovely to look at. But Lava? You don't want to walk through it, but it's cool to look at? Yeah. You think about things that were made, uh, you know, Confederate statues were made. The Confederate statues probably look really good. They're probably fine art, but they're made with the intention to be tributes to Confederacy, which is about slavery and oppressing people. So I don't find that beautiful at all. So I don't think those hold up, just like I don't think this film holds up. And this film is not racist, but it's certainly just so fucking white and... It's oh. too white. It's just too white, and I can't get past it now. It's Delaware in 1959. I'm too caught up in 2020. It doesn't hold up in 2020? No. That's we're back, we're back to the spot we started. White. It's just too white. Yeah. He's entitled to his movie. opinion. Yeah. Yeah. White, white people, people calling the movie. Die. That's what I'm calling this forever. And I'm, I'm sticking white to it. White people, but... the movie. And it, it also didn't suck me in emotionally. I agree with most of the things Travis said. I just was like, I was skimming through on certain parts. When they're in the cave fucking around, I'm like, fast forward, fast forward. <laughs> like, it just wasn't like striking me. I'm like, I'm just not feeling the plight of these mostly rich kids. And... I know there's pain everywhere. Doesn't matter where you're from. I right. do understand that, but they yeah. just didn't do a good job of tying and sucking me in. So that's how I feel about it. Fair enough. Self-hating whites. The, the, the <laughs> podcast. All right. Well, uh, what did you guys think? Let us know. Send us in your thoughts. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. Send an iPod. And you can email the show, cinemanidepod at protonmail.com. Uh, Eric, do we have any emails this week? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> shocked. I am shocked. shocked. I can't believe that. Best answer. Well, I demand an email us. for next week's show, okay? 
right now, yes, live on this pod. Again. No kidding emails. <laughs> I de- demanding emails. All right. So let's uh, get into the closing section of our show. It's always the fun part for me. Uh, quarantine viewing fix. Now, Travis has been a busy boy. We know. He started a new job. So last week, he only had two or three movies he could offer. And yeah, I'm curious to see, Travis, have you been able to squeeze in any more films? Well, this year, I told, I mean, or this year, this week, last week, I told you guys um, that I had started watching season two of uh, The Boys. Well, I, I, I finished the second half of the second episode this week. <laughs> wow you were killing 30 movies a week back in the day of the early cinema night podcast things have changed <laughs> <laughs> next okay uh eric what do you got we literally haven't watched any movies we've been watching seven seasons of roseanne oh that's cool i love roseanne like the original roseanne not the connor yeah. hey the connor's is good though wait can't at least what i've seen of it no so they're saying the original, the original oh. Roseanne back in the day, not oh, yeah. the not the new one. Yep. Yeah, the first five seasons are awesome. It's getting kind of weird when like new Becky shows up and Roseanne had plastic surgery, so she's like pretty, <laughs> like prettier and like her face doesn't. Ah, make you all don't like faces. my new face. <laughs> <laughs> her face doesn't make all the funny faces anymore. You know. Oh. So she doesn't really make anything funny anymore, does she? Oh. Not, not since she got booted off her own show. <laughs> I don't think it's that cut and dry, but uh, she was uh, funny. She made me laugh once upon a time. So yeah. She's also has struggled a lot in life, gone through a lot of hardships. So I uh, empathize with her in her existence. Right, However, nice. um, what about... So no other movie, Eric. You have no, I watched Half a Drive and then we turned Roseanne on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Angela, come on. Give me a couple. You're, uh, this is your chance to shine yeah. here. Give us a couple films that you would recommend to people, even if you haven't watched it over the last week. Oh. Oh. Well, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, yeah. It, well, I already recommended The Wrestler. So. Right. Um, Travis brought up an excellent one earlier that I also recommend, which is, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to recommend these two as one movie night. Start with Barfly. All right, make okay. it work. Barfly. He plays a barfly. He's a poet. He's a total. Charles like, Bukowski, Barbie Schroeder film. Specifically, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, it's one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen. And then watch Party Girl with Parker Posey, directly following. You have that. to tell me twice. It's one of the best movie nights you could have. I've done it twice with different groups of people, and it's uh-huh. like the levity that you need after. It's like it's like good substance abuse levity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got Liam Schreiber too. And that never I love him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my choices. Those All are right. my picks. Thanks, Ange. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been the shortest segment of this segment we've ever had. I will yeah. say that. Uh, those are good choices, though. I've actually never seen Barfly, so I'll have to check that out. Wow. Um, <clears throat> I have seen Party Gate? Girl. Huh? Did you watch Heaven's Gate? I, I have it now, but I haven't watched it, of course. But oh. I do have it, so now I have no reason left at all. But I I did watch the most movies of anyone this week, oddly enough. I guess things have changed around here. Um, <laughs> I watched the... Uh, I did a double a showdown, a double shot of Snowden, uh, Mr. Edward Snowden. So I watched wow. Snowden. Oh, Mike Gobey watching an Oliver Stone picture? Uh, Travis's favorite director, Oliver Stone. 
starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Edward Snowden and Shailene Woodley as his confidant. Uh, what Lindsay Mills, I think her name is. Um, so that was, I like it. Well, it's really solid. It's not like too Oliver Stoney. It's um, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you'd probably hate it, Eric. It's like a procedural almost. Did you do the fact check? It's like who wrote the screenplay? Uh, boy, that's a good question. I don't know, but uh, I'm very familiar with the Edward Snowden story, and uh, I found no uh, weird shit in it at all. So <laughs> nothing, nothing to fret about, as far as I could tell. It was written by Oliver Stone and Kieran Fitzgerald. So it was teamed up by many of them, including Luke Harding, who wrote the book, and Anatoly Kucherena, who was a human rights lawyer who helped smuggle Snowden out of Hong Kong. So there's a whole book called, that he wrote about it as well. So there's a lot of writing credits that are connected to it. Um, I enjoyed it. Beautifully shot, too, actually. Some lovely scenery in Hawaii, which is always beautiful. Hawaii looks great on film. Always has. Oh, yeah. Especially always Aloha has. by Cameron Crowe. Great film. <laughs> I'm more of a 51st dates man myself. <laughs> I'm actually serious. I walked right into that one, didn't I? Yeah, Fuck. you did, Mike. Shit. That movie's terrible. <laughs> and I love Cameron Crowe. Christ. All right, fine. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I watched Snowden, and then I'm like, well, shit, I got to watch Citizen Four. I never watched it. So oh. I watched the documentary because I watched the movie, them dramatically retell it. Why not actually see the real fucking drama in front of you? And it was intense really intense. yeah i'll say i mean say what you will whatever your opinions are of edward snowden uh the guy the guy gave up everything he had a life shitload of money he's living in hawaii and he he did this and i just find the guy to be so incredibly admirable i don't see any negatives about him and the citizen four just really brings that home i mean laura laura poitras the uh documentarian does an amazing job of just not being involved in it at all. She's just there with the camera. She doesn't put herself into it um, beyond like describing what her situation was prior to the beginning of filming. So I thought they were both uh, the citizen four is a masterpiece of documentary filmmaking. Um, Snowden's, you know, if you want to like go the easy way, you don't want to watch citizen four and you want to watch Snowden. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why you would do that. You should just watch, watch citizen, citizen four. four. Like, Live in a fantasy world, then watch Snowden. Or listen to Citizen Dick. Or Citizen, Citizen Dildo. Or Citizen Dildo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't forget Citizen Dildo. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, since we talked about The Gate last week, I went ahead and watched it again. <laughs> I hold up. I loved it. How was it even those beautiful features? Yeah, I told everybody I know who didn't know about the Brighton Cinema premiere thing, and people were yeah. like, what? Holy, Luke was blown away. He's like, right. oh, my God, that's crazy. I just couldn't get enough of that story. That was a piece it's of. I wonder there's like a hole in the back. Yeah, a little creature. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yep. It just gets zanier from there. And uh, it was fun. I was like, oh, I remember that. I could take myself back to my uh, house of Livonia in 1988 and imagine <laughs> watching that film. So that was fun. And uh, oh, oh, and then, <laughs> then I watched The Wizard of Oz. I basically, all the movies we talked about last week, yeah. I was like, I got to watch these. It's cyclical. This keep happening. They keep popping up, and I keep like watching shit we keep talking about on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah, I did that. I watched, uh, and I watched. Um, no, that was it. I, no, that was it. Yeah. So, uh, I do need to watch Heaven's Gate. I'm well aware of that. It's, it's like top priority right now. It has to be the next film watched, unless a movie pops in my head from this episode. But besides, Waterworld. Carpe diem. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Seize the day, boys. Seize the day, boys. Come on. <laughs> 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 so wet. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Oh, See, I ruined it. Oh, yeah. but, episode, but. Episode. Terrible right. Mike. <laughs> okay, so that's it. That's what I got to offer. Uh, that's what we have to offer, and then that will do it for another wonderful episode of of Dude, We love having you guys listen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I feel like we're forgetting something crucial Dude, here. Dude, next week, what do you got for us? Well, we're going to get to that. Let me do my thing. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, if I was listening, everything. I would have hung, hung up already. I would have yeah, hung up. <laughs> hey, you guys are terrible podcast listeners. It's all about... All right. We want to give Angela her farewell choices. commentary. Angela, any final words um, about movies in general? Uh, anything <laughs> that you want to add to the show at this time? Wow. Um, I'm not very good at overarching statements. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just... Go ahead and say I love movies. Um, you know, mainly most movies from the nineties. Uh, I'll email you guys some more suggestions. Is this uh, from Almost Famous? I dig music. Yeah, yeah. like that's all I got. I don't have any uh, any fancy thing. I just love movies, man. Been watching them my whole life. Beautiful. Making them a lot of my life. You know, you're simple. I, I like things like butter in my ass, lollipop in my mouth. What? Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you, Angela, for joining us. It's been so wonderful having you on. Uh, for next week's show, we are moving forward. So Travis has the floor. Oh, oh boy. All right. Here we go. So I have a movie. Pick the next film. So I have a movie in mind. Um, it. I, I, I've really deliberated. I've really pulled a mic on this one. I was like, basically deciding now uh, oh. as you guys were talking because um, it's got some actors in it we've already talked a lot about but I kind of wanted to throw back to this time in my life you know when I was a teenager speaking of teenage years I like really went through like I tried a lot of hats on you know like I, I skanked I was a punk I tried all these different things but a, a part of my life that I like to kind of uh, leave out of my story is the goth year I had a good year <laughs> oh. or so where I was pretty oh, goth and I remember going to the mall Yes. And there was this like this store that sold like scented cologne type stuff, like this oil. And I remember I bought this oil solely because of the name that was on it, that was called because, and I just wore it for fucking ever. Like even well into my non goth years in, in like secret shame, I would put it on my cologne that was called no, no, no. the Vampire Lestat. So we're going oh, back to 1994's Interview with the Vampire, directed oh. by Neil Jordan, wow. with a script by Anne Rice. We're getting Dude, straight up 94 goth. Recording. What's that? I'm ready right now. Let's just start the show. Does it count Mike's you? dead. He's not thrilled with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is a great pick. Mike, get your horror belt on. I know what to expect. This one I have seen. So I did watch it three years ago for the first time. So. I'll go back again, though. I'll give it a fresh look because I've only seen it yes. once. So, who knows? Maybe, all right. Maybe I'll find something. There was a cologne called a stat. Uh, it was like a kiosk. The, the, yeah, there was some kiosk that, like, it was clearly just like what the, the other things were called, like moon and like you know runes and stuff. And then there was like the vampire Lestat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. that's I'm buying that. I was like, um, is there a cool water in the movie? What am I missing? Here? <laughs> I'll tell you, what, it was gonna be a horror movie either way because uh, my next choice will probably be a horror yes. movie too. So, 
gonna I'm ask pumped. you guys when you're getting into the horror season here. When I choose, pretty much. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it could be these two. They'll probably throw something at me. I'll have to watch. But that's okay. I watched it in the mouth of madness. I didn't think it was terrible. Oh, in the mouth of madness. So. We watched it for the show, Eric. Sorry. We watched it for the show. Remember? Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so excited for next week. Never in the mouth of madness. <laughs> What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Next week, interview with a vampire. And then, uh, you know, in about a month or so, we'll do a listener's choice. You know, we'll go back to that. We'll bring you guys back into the fold and uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe Angel get another one in there. Who knows? You got one in already. So you got two in already now. So you're like ahead of uh, of Luke. (laughs) Good. Because Luke is very intense. But uh, he's a good man. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Cinema 9 Pod. Next week, interview the vampire. And if you want to follow along, watch the movie, and then uh, we'll talk about it next week. So thank you. Cinema 9 Pod. ProtonMail.com. Cinema 9 Pod. All social media. Bye.